Hey, what's up? It's McBreezy from Classrooms in Compton. Today, I want to talk about student engagement. As we begin to prepare as best we can for the next school year, personally, I'm assessing the damage from last year, the pandemic year. I'm trying to determine where to apply band-aids to student learning. And the recurring theme I identify as a front runner of the we need to fix this line of student engagement. You know, giving our students a reason to show up to class, assignments that are outside of the box, engaging them in tasks relevant to their lives. Last year, there were so many students that checked out and not just because they saw the pandemic as a way to get out of school. Many had very valid reasons for disconnecting, unengaging and shutting down. Our students don't fit into boxes, nor do they fit into stereotypes that society creates. So as the sewing circle teachers gather to peck a little, talk a little, to place blame and draw a diagram of problems, create a list of problems to point out all the problems, teachers not scared of the work, teachers who are ready to disrupt education and try new things, They've already debriefed the problems. And instead of focusing their spotlight in that direction, we're hunting for solutions. I believe solutions rest in the category of providing students authentic learning opportunities, which have the potential to engage them on a deeper plane of knowledge. And we have to engage our audience. We aren't welcoming back the same students that left us in March, 2020 just as we teachers are not the same people that left the classroom either. I mean, the world is only just beginning to wind down from the tragedies and hardships that no one ever imagined happening. So first I wanna name a few of the challenges that folks have faced, not to dwell on those problems, but to shine a light on the way humanity as a whole, which includes our students, has been affected. Number one would be death and sickness, both COVID and non-COVID related. Be it family members, friends of the family, teachers and other school staff, neighbors, church members, and any other basic social group that our students are members of, have been affected. Death and sickness does not pay attention to zip codes or money in the bank. And we can tell that with the country's death toll, which at this time of recording, July 27th, there's 64,265 deaths recorded. And how many of those enumerated were known by our students? Probably more than we'd like to think. The second thing is quarantine. That was fun. For no one ever. Right? Feeling trapped in your home due to the stay-at-home order caused more problems than I saw coming in my own life. It was hard to be cut off from the normal daily life. And I mean, I was home all alone. Loneliness was a challenge throughout that stay-at-home order. So, like, I'm a social person. Well... Okay, I'm a social person 
who chooses to be antisocial, but being forced into isolation was almost too much for me. And on the flip side, I have a student who was one of 11 children, ordered to stay home in a two-bedroom townhouse, trying to hear Zoom lessons with that cacophony of sounds in the background. I mean, 11 children ordered to stay at home in a two-bedroom townhouse? Try hearing your Zoom lesson. And that's not just limited to the 12 kids. Even a family of five in two bedrooms. I mean, if all three kids share a space where they should be accessing school, like, where do these students have time or space to clear their mind? And really think so that they can deeply engage with the lessons that we provide. So there's death, sickness, packed houses. Now let's talk about working parents. Working parents who need their older children to be in charge of the younger ones. Well, if my class starts at 8 and your three younger siblings don't start until 8.30... And they will need your help logging into their class. How often are you on time to mine? Or even attending my class? And how can I blame you for this? Don't the needs of your family become more important than my need to have your homework tuned in on time? What about an unemployed parent? What does the worry and stress of being unemployed during a pandemic look like? And kids, they know when their parents are stressed, no matter how quietly parents whisper. I mean, has someone taught these students how to compartmentalize these stressors so they can focus on reading our class novel? Many parents aren't equipped with those social skills. What about multi-generational families worrying about grandma being getting sick? What about multi-families living in a house? If your family lives there and your aunt's family lives there and grandma lives there, that's a lot of people in a house. All with different personalities, different schedules. And so if being unemployed is a problem for parents, it's it's definitely going to affect students. Multi-generational families is going to affect students. Students having to join the workforce is going to be a problem. What about disrupted sleep schedules? It's hard to get up at 8 a.m. if you barely went to sleep at 4. How about disrupted food availability? I mean, a big struggle for families was making up the cost differential of having multiple mouths to feed all meals in a day. Like, if you're a parent who's ever noticed that making up your grocery costs in just the summer months when your student's home, I mean, you understand the struggle then of trying to feed them throughout, throughout the year. Students suffered disruptive living situations. Many were kicked out of places. Some were already homeless when we entered the pandemic. And what about having to stay home with abusive parents or siblings? 
I mean, let's just say the adults, let's say they just yell and fight all the time with each other. Well, our students were at home with that, and that would have some impact on how they interact with school. I mean, this list that I've mentioned is not exhaustive by any means, but let's just say about a third of our students, or for neighborhoods with lower socioeconomic status, let's say 50% of our students faced at least one or more of these issues related to attending school through a device that they normally don't access school through. They normally play video games, watch videos. I mean, school would be the last thing on my mind at a time like this. So how do we get them to shift their attention to our work? How can we get them to re-engage? I mean, were we giving them something to attend for? What I saw all too much from teachers during the pandemic, and I'm not blaming them, I'm just saying that I saw it, was a shift from paper worksheets to digital ones. Did we teachers make the lessons we presented a reason to attend? When I asked students their thoughts, the answer was overwhelmingly no. Many teachers did not step up to the challenge. In fact, it seemed like in many districts, including mine, all that happened was a lot of lip service and teachers doing a lot of empty-headed nodding. I mean, as a school leader, I'm beginning to see some of the frightening reality and the lack of understanding by teachers regarding the use of technology in their classrooms. And after an entire year, the fact that so many teachers still struggle with basic technology functions is frankly frightening. Because what were they doing the last year? So between intense personal situations and lackluster lessons, I get how engagement or the lack of it affected our students. So... The next question is, like, how do we fix this? And like, I don't have all the answers. But today I'm going to give you one suggestion. And in the next episode, I should have another. So one of the ways you increase your engagement is increase student voice and choice. And I also want to add offering in-person support to help them, to help them understand the assignment and to help them complete it. And when I say in person, I don't mean face to face, but like at least Zoom screen to Zoom screen, person to person. Let me share out a recent webinar that I was listening to. I heard this statement made, you can't teach the smartphone generation with landline strategies. Man, that was the truest thing I've heard at a webinar lately. So, like, let's look at what's employed on smartphones. What is a smartphone strategy? Well, like, smartphones give us access to a multitude of apps, websites, and other resources that we get to choose. We get to decide which ones we download to our phone and which ones we use. Which is why when I create a video, I use Adobe Spark. And then my colleague uses Apple Clips. We're making similar videos, just taking two different routes to record and edit them. You know, another analogy for this point is, um, I live in LA, a suburb of LA, and I 
live four miles from my school. But I know about 18 routes to get from my house to the school just in case I'm late or there's too many red lights or if there's a traffic accident or there's police activity blocking my path, all of which have happened. So every day I get to choose from all these options which way I'm going to get to school. I'm still going in the same direction, still ending at the same destination. I'm just taking a different path to get there. So let's relate these two analogies to the classroom. We need to offer some outside of the box ideas or routes for students to choose from to provide evidence of their learning. So when you're planning your lesson, think about what is the end result? What should students be able to do? What should they be able to show at the end of your lesson? And then this is where the creativity kicks in. Provide multiple routes, offering more than one activity for students to choose between so that you receive the same evidence just through different paths. Like choice boards. I'm an English teacher, so I'm going to relate this to English first. You know, one of the Common Core state standards calls for students to make a claim, support it with evidence, and use uh, reasoning to explain their connection. Now, the obvious, like, end result is to have students produce an essay. How fun. Let's be honest, students aren't trying to write an essay right now. I can't say that I, as a teacher, feel like I can give devote enough attention to even grade and give feedback on essays right now. So can we offer our students more options? And I don't mean like let's take another student hated option like an essay or presentation. We need to think beyond these, especially when we have technology to assist us in that beyond. So I know I said a choice board, and yet I'm only offering two choices, right? Presentation or essay. So let me tell you why I've limited it to that. Because at the beginning of the school year, which is what we're entering, um, I would give stronger, stricter guidelines, uh, more structured. And so then gradually as the year went on, I would release that structure and guidelines to allow students to have more options to create evidence of their learning. But at the beginning of the year, I might only want them to choose between two because I don't want to A, overwhelm them, especially if they've never been able to choose before. Um, And B, I want to make sure that they still get what they're supposed to be doing. I don't want to confuse them with too many directions. So let's revisit this. We have the essay versus a presentation. Um, We've already covered that you don't want to grade those essays. (laughs) Um, But you can also, like, it's also hard to plan for students to present. Because what if one class, like I teach English 9. So what if my first period, five students want to present? And then in my third period, ninth grade section... 15 students want to present. Goodbye pacing. 
there you go. Your classes are no longer being seen. Now, I mean, I could still offer the option of presenting if I incorporated technology, video recording, Flipgrid. That way students could give the presentation on their screen or they could give it in front of their camera and they could turn it into me, which would allow for me to better manage my time. But I mean, is that enough reason to get students to attend your class? Is offering a presentation or an essay enough to get them engaged? So I offer this. What about an infographic as evidence of their learning? It could display the claim, the evidence, and the reasons that support each other. Students could use a diagram to help show their relationship. What about writing an essay, but from different perspectives? Like an example, if you're reading an informational article about global warming, provide them options on the perspective they're writing from. Maybe a politician, or they could write as a scientist, or they could write as a child from the future, or a person that lives somewhere that shows visible effects of global climate change. Maybe even the perspective of an electric car or from the point of view of a forest facing deforestation. You know, I'm not saying you have to offer 30 different assignments, but I mean, look at the choice I've now embedded in this one assignment. Writing an essay, they're all gonna be making a claim using evidence and reasoning, but I've extended the possibilities for their mind to explore. I'm giving students a choice on how they complete the assignment. Yes, within my guidelines, but some choice is better than none. I can think of other content areas, although I'm not familiar with those standards as I am with English, but I can see you having this essay with options be a viable assignment in a science class. Let's say we want to give more than one way to meet that standard in a science class and students need to show an understanding of, I don't know, the law of motion. Well, like options of, you know, student evidence could be an essay explaining it, Mm -hmm. but it could also be a video of them acting it out or a visual demonstration that they've caught in the world around them or an already made video that students narrate over. It could be explaining in history Students showing evidence of understanding, I don't know, the Declaration of Independence or Constitution. And you could base that on a class activity of students creating their own countries in small groups. They would then establish laws and rights for their self-created country. And they could write a summary of why they made the choices they did in their country. Then they could show the similarities and differences between the founding documents and the American founding documents that they're studying in class. This is not only more engaging, but it takes the learning to a deeper level. And it's our job to creatively find ways to explore and engage students. I mean, that's what we get paid to do for recognizing that each student is different, that each student flourishes and shines in different lights. 
And we can't wait for some company to sell us prepackaged ideas that are as dry as what we're using now. I mean, those are landline strategies. We need to be smarter than a smartphone. I mean, that leads to a whole nother, whole nother episode about prepackaged lessons. But let me just drive this point home and say that it is not going to meet our students' needs because the people who create those packages don't know our students. And let's face it, even in a school, each group of students is different. The dynamic of any one class can be changed by like one or two students. You all have had that class where when a student's absent, you're like, this is a whole different class. And when that student's there, they act differently, right? So we know our students best. We can create student choice. We can still do what is mandated by our district. But let's not wait until we have to get taught by a third party. I, man, I'm begging you. If you're using lessons or lesson materials that are the same as you used five years ago, please give it a new look. I mean, just give it a look and look at it from a fresh perspective. Speak to your fellow teachers about ways in which you could revise that lesson. Look for ways you could just freshen up the materials you use. Find a more recent article or video. I mean, I'm not saying throw the lesson out. What I'm saying is, once you have some sturdy material that you use continuously, we should be innovating and finding new and creative bits and pieces to pepper throughout them as a step towards getting students more engaged and the students of today engaged. You know, 10, 11 years ago, cell phones didn't even exist on the level they do now. Now, if someone doesn't have a phone, you're like, huh? But I remember 10, 11 years ago when not many people had cell phones. So if you're using a lesson plan from pre-cell phones, it is time to dust it off and add some new strategies to that recipe. So if you identify yourself in any part of this podcast, some next steps you might consider. Um, I would say this is my next episode, right? I'm going to have some more strategies there. If your campus is fortunate enough to have a coach, seek out their help. Step up. Don't wait for them to find you. Maybe in the least, just partnership with your PLC. Your colleagues are a great source of information and could be a great source of inspiration. Maybe your department, maybe a larger group of educators or through social media platforms. Hello, let's talk about 21st century. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Don't discount the connections made by teachers using these platforms. I have gotten several great ideas from social media. We might have been landline kids growing up, but we are now smartphone adults. And we need to use every resource available for us to land and to be smart. 
to be the most effective teacher we can, to meet the greatest number of students' needs that we can going into the 2021-2022 school year. So I encourage you to be brave. Try something new. Model growth mindset for your students. Let them know you're taking a risk in this activity that you normally have not included in your lessons, but you are doing it for them. You are looking for ways to get them more engaged in their learning. Just adding that to a lesson, showing them risk-taking that you're doing and letting them know that you went in search of that risk taking on their behalf might be enough spark to light a fire. I wish you much success and I hope you turn into our next episode. This is McBreezy from Classrooms in Compton and have a brave day today.